0: Hey y'all, it's Unique. Welcome to the Safe Space Podcast, a place where there is no pressure to have it all together or have all the answers, because really, who does? My hope is that here you'll find comfort in your vulnerability through candid conversations about self-love and development, relationships, faith, and all the hard stuff nobody likes to talk about. We'll laugh about it, we'll cry about it, and most of all, we'll figure it all out together. I'm here to encourage you that the struggles you face mold you to live on purpose and purpose. Let's start the show. Hey y'all, welcome back to the podcast. I hope y'all are ready for today because I am so excited about today's episode. Like y'all, I did so much like studying and God just was downloading the word into me and just giving me the answers and i'm just so so excited so first of all i want to say get you a journal or something to write on you know get a note up on your phone something because i am going to be spitting scripture at you and y'all are gonna need to go back and look at this again and read it more in depth because of course i'm not going to read all of the stories thoroughly i'm just gonna give you a snippet of it and then it's always important even when you go to church when you watch sermons online when you listen to other podcasts if they give you a word it is always always important that you go and read for yourself what god said that is a must. So many people think that you could just go to church and you could just listen to other people quote the word and read the word to you but no you have to go and read it for yourself. So I really encourage you all to do that after you listen to this episode to take down the scripture or the names of the stories that you hear and go and read it on your own time. So last week when we jumped back into the podcast i spoke about focus but i feel like i left that so unfinished and so undone and there was so much more to be said about that and that's when god gave me the idea to talk about the common distractions that get us off focus and so i wanted to talk about some of those today and i have one two three four five five different common distractions, but most of them have more than one related to them. The five distractions or the common distractions that God gave me to speak about today are relationships, anger, hurt, pain, the past, pressure and comparison, opposition and pleasure, and sin and temptation. And I'm just ready to dive right into this. So I do want to pray because I am going to be coming out of a lot of scripture. I want to pray on the podcast. I usually always pray prior to starting and hitting record, but I really want to pray right now on here. So quickly, Lord, I thank you for allowing me and everybody to meet you in this place to hear from you and to get your word lord help me to speak let it be your words and not mine omit any thoughts or words that are not of you and that don't need to be said lord i ask that you speak directly to the listener's heart and mind and that you give them understanding of your word and i pray over the equipment and yeah let's get into it amen so I do want to give y'all the highlight verse for this whole, I don't even know if I would call it a series, but this whole word of focus, the highlight scripture is Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. I talked about this and I uh, gave this scripture last week, but I want to read it again. And this is the scripture that I have just been meditating on for however long God wants me to really focus on this thing of focus on this thing of focus really um and I think that it's very interesting because a lot of people say that they are in a season right now where God is telling them to focus. Now, Because I was talking to my mom yesterday and she said in one of her classes that she's been taking, and she said that one of the people in her classes said that the word for December is focus. And then my pastor, she, do, she does these lives every week and she brought up the word focus. And I'm just like, God, you're just confirming that that's what you want me to do focus so proverbs 4 25 through 27 says let your eyes look straight ahead fix your gaze directly before you give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways do not turn to the right or the left keep your foot from evil and so that's god literally telling you to have tunnel vision and to pay attention and focus. But if you know anything about anything and if you don't know, I'm going to tell you that when God gives you an assignment, it is so easy to be thrown off track. And some of these those distractions that I named earlier are just uh, some of the common few or the few that God wanted me to hit on. The very first one is pressure and comparison. And I feel like this one is very prevalent with social media. Everybody is recording and uploading and posting everything it's everywhere what other people are doing and it can become a distraction because we're thinking about what everybody else is doing and how they're doing it and how they did it rather you know y'all are doing the same thing starting the same type of business or in trying to do the same type of ministry or just how they live their life compared to yours even though we're the same age we graduated from the same school you know and they're doing this and they're doing that and i'm not doing it or you're wanting the exact same outcome from doing it how somebody else did it so god may be telling you to lead your ministry this way and he may be telling you to run your business a specific way or he has you in a certain season in your life and you're comparing it to how so-and-so is doing it and you want to do it like them but you don't get the same outcome you don't get the same um amount of customers you don't get the same people to show up at your bible studies as this person did even though I'm doing it just like them but what we have to understand is that when God tells us to do something a certain way that's how he wants it to be done when we look at Noah in Genesis 6 God literally told Noah verbatim or is that the right word? God literally told Noah exactly how to build the ark. It says in verse 15, This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof and opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower middle and upper decks. God literally told him step by step, I mean down to like the measurements, how to build that ark because God knew what was coming. So when God tells you to lead your ministry a certain way, when God tells you to run your business a certain way, when God has you in a single season or wherever he has you in your life. It's because he knows what's coming. God knew. I mean, obviously, God knew that he was going to flood the earth and he knew what was going to happen and what it would take to save and keep Noah and his family and all the animals that God told him to take on that ark. He knew what it would take to keep them safe. And so, you know, social media really gets in our heads and can really cloud our judgment. And, you know, we get so caught up in how other people are doing it. But Galatians 1 says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So we have to come out of wondering Or being so caught up in what everybody else is doing and why am I not doing it? Or they're going to think this, that, and the third about me if I do what God has told me to do this way. Or if I live this way. It's not about what other people think about you. Imagine how Noah looked building this ark about a flood that nobody could see coming. Just imagine what people thought about him. Imagine the things people said about him. They probably thought Noah was out of his mind. You're building this ark because it's supposed to flood. Are you for real? Like, you're just making this up. (laughs) You're crazy. Like, what is wrong with you? But he had to be obedient because he knew what God told him to do. And there's another story in the Bible. The story of Cain and Abel, where comparison um, got in the way. Genesis 4 4 says the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast now Cain and Abel if you don't know they were brothers and um, Cain if you go on to read the rest of the story which you really should Cain killed his brother out of comparison God looked at Abel's offering and one God looked at Abel's offering in favor because it was the first of what Abel had. He gave the first of what he had to God and Cain did not. And so Cain, as it says here, was very angry and his face was downcast. He was upset because God didn't look at him the same way and regardless of the circumstances of what Cain gave compared to his brother and it caused him to be angry and that could be a distraction instead of Cain looking and saying okay what did I do wrong what should I have done what does God expect of me to do he decided to get angry and eventually kill his brother and so we have to make sure that even when we are corrected and when God corrects us we have to make sure that we focus on the right thing because Kane did not focus on what he should have. The next distraction is opposition and pleasure. So we can oftentimes get distracted when things get hard, when things aren't going our way and we get frustrated and we let that cloud our vision and what we should be doing and we start to give up. That's pretty much me. When things start getting hard, when things aren't going the way that I want them to, what do I do? I turn away from the word. I turn away from God and I don't want to talk to him as much. I don't want to read my word. I get distracted by whatever it is that's going on and I lose focus. And when I say pleasure, we get distracted by wanting to do it another way or thinking that we know better, or again, thinking about what other people are going to think and say about us. You know, that's coming from your own self-gratification. When you think about how I could do it this way and it'll be more beneficial and it'll be quicker if I do it this way, that's gratification, that's pleasure for yourself. And then thinking about what people will think or say, that is pretty much validation and self-gratification thinking, well, I'm not going to like what they say about me or what they say about me isn't going to be good. You're thinking about you. And so I want to tell y'all about a story in the Bible of opposition, which came from John the Baptist. And he actually ended up being thrown in prison and eventually killed and beheaded because he called out somebody doing something wrong and doing something outside of what god wants us to do Luke three nineteen says but when John rebuked Herod the tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias his brothers his wife and all the other evil things he had done Herod added this to them all he locked John up in prison so John was calling out what Herod was doing wrong and hurrah didn't like that so when you are on mission from god and most times it's going to be pretty much all the time really it's going to be against culture it's going to be against what people want to do it's going to be against the norm you are going to face pushback and pushback is your opposition when you are on assignment you are going to run into hardships For example, with me, I feel like God put me on assignment to have this podcast. What happened? My laptop went down. When I used to do YouTube, I used to have issues with my laptop. When you go into ministry, you're going to struggle with getting people to come or finding the money that you need to do it. Same thing with a business. That is opposition. And Jesus even warned the 12 disciples in Matthew 10, 14, he warned his 12, his 12 disciples that there was going to be opposition and what to do when it came. It says 10, 14, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. So he's pretty much he told them. Everybody ain't going to hear what you got to say. Everybody's not going to be on board with your business, with your ministry, with the lifestyle that you live, obeying me. But you got to shake the dust off your feet and keep it moving. It's not your job to argue with them. It's not your job to convince them. You have to move forward. And then for that pleasure portion, I want to tell you all the story of Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. And y'all, Saul was crazy. I'm telling y'all he was crazy but Saul got distracted with his own pleasure and he disobeyed God because of what he thought was best. He thought he knew what was best to do and it got messed up. So starting in 1st Samuel 15 Samuel was telling was giving Saul a word from God and God had told Samuel to tell Saul now go attack the Amalek." Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them do not spare them and then when you go down to verse 15 9 it says but Saul and the army spared Agog and the best of the sheep and cattle the fat cows and lambs everything that was good these they were unwilling to destroy completely but everything that was despised and weak they totally destroyed They completely went against what God told them to do. He said, do not spare them. Totally destroy all that belongs to them. And so when Samuel came back to Saul, Saul told Samuel, Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord, but we totally destroyed the rest. And see, you might get caught up on the fact that Saul had good intention. He had good intention on sparing what he did. He says he wanted to sacrifice it to the Lord. But again, that is not what God told him to do. So you may have good intention on doing it another way. Your way may be more efficient in a sense but it's not what God told you to do and so if you go down to verse 7 I mean 17 it says Samuel said although you were once small in your own eyes did you not become the head of tribes of Israel the Lord the Lord anointed you king over Israel so Saul had a position he had an assignment he was told to do something and what he did mattered pay attention to that And then if you go down to verse 22, it says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. So I want you to take note that God will take you off of assignment if you you do not obey him. God will take you out of your place. He will take you out of your role if you do not obey what he says. So don't get taken out of your place and don't lose your anointing because you think you know better than God. God can see all of it. He sees the beginning, the middle, and the end. He knows ultimately what will work and what won't. So don't go getting haughty and thinking that you know more than God because we do not know. And I do want to say that this wasn't Saul's first time. So God gives you chances sometimes, sometimes, but you don't want to slip up thinking that you'll get multiple chances because sometimes all it may take is one time and God will take you off of the assignment and give it to somebody else. So just make sure that you are doing what God is telling you to do. Don't think that you know better than God because you don't and don't let opposition distract you and get you off Next, we have the distraction of anger, hurt, pain in your past. I think this one is probably one of the biggest ones and I don't, I like to say that very lightly because really everything is different for everybody truthfully, but I really do think that people's pain and their past can really get them off track and it can distract them sometimes it can prohibit us from even starting in the first place you know you'll find times where you're in your assignment and you're on your mission from god and old stuff resurfaces things that you thought you were over things that you didn't even think that you thought about anymore that even affected you anymore it comes up all of a sudden small and unusual things make you upset And sudden feelings of doubt can come along and have you thinking, you know, I'm not called to do this, you know, because I did that in the past and I used to be like this. So God can't possibly actually want me to do this or think that I can do this. There is no way. But I'm here to tell you, God uses all of that. He uses who you used to be. He uses the hurt and the pain as a testimony and to show that he is a redeemer and that he can turn things around for your good. I want to share with you the story of Lot and his family when they flee Sodom and Gomorrah. So God had told in Genesis 19, God has sent angels to Lot to flee his town. He told him to leave everything, gather up his family, and to leave the town. It says in verse 15, with the coming of the dawn, the angels urged Lot saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hands, his hand in the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. I'm going to read that part again. Flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. Moving down to verse 22. But flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. And then in verse 26, it says, but Lot's wife look back and she became a pillar of salt. God is telling you, don't keep looking back because it will cause you to get stuck. His wife turned into a pillar of salt, which means she froze. She could not continue moving forward. And that's what happens when you're hurt, your pain, and your past. You keep revisiting it. You keep replanting it in your mind. You keep using it as a reason to slow you down from where God is trying to take you. Don't look back. Release that. Let it go. Let your anger go when small things come up when small inconveniences, don't let that ruin it. Don't let that ruin your mood. Don't let that ruin your progress. Let it roll off your back and keep pushing on with the assignment that God gave you. And then we have relationships. You know, once you get into a place where you are steadfast in what God is calling you to do, now your exes is popping up. Now everybody wants to talk. Everybody wants to holler Or your current relationship that you're in is going haywire. Now y'all arguing all the time and stuff is coming up. A good way to know if your relationship is a distraction from what God is telling you to do, it pulls you away from God. You know, you're not reading your Bible. You're not going to church. You're cussing or indulging in sin. If you can look at all the relationships you have in your life and if they are not causing you to be closer to God, they're a distraction. If in any way they cause you to almost be living a double life, if when you're with them, you're one person, but when you're alone or with another group of people, you somebody else, one of those relationships is the one that is causing you distraction. Ended relationships can also be a distraction. How close you are with people can be a distraction. And fear, again, this one keeps coming up. Fear of what those close to you will say or think and other christians relationships in any form can be a distraction i want to highlight how close you are with people can be a big distraction but i'm here to tell you that that closeness how long y'all been friends how long y'all been together means nothing in matthew 4:22, it says and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him him being jesus They left their fathers, the people that helped make them, the people, the person or one of the persons that helped bring them into this world. They turned away from him, left him and followed Jesus. This person that they never knew, never met, had just met, they turned and they followed Jesus god it is going to cost you relationships and friendships and connections with people to follow christ and you cannot allow them to distract you because the company you keep it matters and regardless of what people like to say birds of a feather do flock together maybe not always as drastic as some people like to think but it can be very subtle in just the way that you speak the beliefs that you have the things that you think your thoughts your priorities all depend on who you have around you and one that most people probably wouldn't even expect is that other christians can distract you and get you off course in first kings 13 there was a man well actually i'm gonna start at verse nine for i was commanded by the word of the lord you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came the lord told this man of god not to eat not to drink and not to go back the way that he came then, then you move down to verse 18 and there was a prophet they label him as the old prophet the old prophet answered i too am a prophet as you are and an angel said to me by the word of the lord bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water in parentheses it says but he was lying to him verse 19 So the man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. Okay, so the first thing that came to my mind when I read this, which is what I think God really wanted to stick out to me, him being a prophet, a man of God, his first mistake was not praying and asking God of this prophet. He put too much faith in this person with a title that he didn't even consult with God before he went off to do what this man claimed the Lord told him so we cannot get too caught up in thinking because this person is a pastor because they're a leader because they're a prophet because they do the same thing I do or they used to that they know what did God tell you to do and if at any point you get confused and you're unsure on if God is telling you to go a different route or try something different or take the suggestion that sister so-and-so told you pray pray before you move. That's what we're supposed to do anyway. But if you ever find any situation where you just don't know what to do, if you should keep going one way or try to go this way, pray and don't move until you get an answer. And then verse 20 says, while they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. 21 says he cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defiled You have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. You came back and ate bread and drank water in the place where he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. He lost something by not listening to the word of God. And... It can be so easy to get swept up in listening to other people and thinking other people, you know, all their suggestions are good and maybe I should try that and maybe I should add this to my list of things to try and how to... No, 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 no. The easiest way, ask God, consult God before you move. And then last but not least, we have the distraction of sin and temptation. Honey. Oof. And this one... Oh Lord, this one, it is something else. When you get on assignment, when you decide to start setting boundaries with people, when you tell your partner, hey, I want to take on the spirit of celibacy, Or you start telling your friends that, or you just start acting different. Maybe you ain't told them. Maybe you just decided within yourself and with the Lord that I'm not going to be drinking no more. I'm not going to be going to parties no more. Now, all of a sudden, your friends are blowing you down about parties, going out, getting a drink, hitting the blunt, or whatever you indulge in. It seems like now it's coming full throttle. Now that you have decided that you are going to take on the spirit of celibacy, you have this sudden urge to watch porn all the time or have sex. And it will, it will blow you down. And I heard this quote from another Christian podcast called the Just Different Podcast. And they said, what the enemy cannot destroy, he distracts. So the enemy may know that straight off the bat, he can't take you down because you have built up some um what is it called some you have a shield you have a shield but he know that you know what i may not be able to go straight at her but i can get her to look away for a second and when you look away from your assignment, from your target and being on guard, when you look away, it's easy for you to be attacked. So now that you are focused on something else, now the enemy can send something else. And now you completely before you know it, you all the way gone, all the way gone. And a good story of this, I hate to say, but this is probably like one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of David and Bathsheba and 2 Samuel 11. It says, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah. The Hittite. Then David sent messengers to her to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. And then eventually she got pregnant, y'all. To make a very long story short, she ended up getting pregnant. And get this David got so just messed up in his sin that he ends up killing Uriah. So his temptation and Then then his sin ultimately, because he slept with a married woman, and it caused him to sin even farther by killing him. He he killed another man because of what he did wrong. So your decisions they matter. What you decide to do matter. And maybe your decision from distraction leads to death of something else. Maybe not a person, but. The death of your business, your business starts to decline, your ministry starts to decline, your progress. I notice whenever I get distracted in something that I shouldn't be doing, that I feel unaligned. My spirit feels so off and I feel far away from God because that's what sin does. Every time you sin, you're you're pushing yourself farther away from God, especially if you don't repent as you should. If you don't ask God to help turn you away from that. And the deeper you go in your sin, the farther you get away from Christ. So that is why it's so important to repent and repent daily. And the one thing I also want to say when it comes to sin and temptation, and it says this somewhere in the Bible, I'm not exactly sure where, but if you ever run into temptation and you're in a place where you are tempted, the Bible literally says you are to flee. So that could be sex. I think it was the Bible directly referred temptation to sex, but it could be anything. It could be the temptation to drink. It could be the temptation to gossip. It could be the temptation to smoke or um, spend all your money when you shouldn't. When you should be saving. Any type of temptation, anything that's going to be detrimental to your spiritual walk or the assignment that you are on from God, flee from it. So if you know that this friend that's calling you is prone to gossip don't answer or if maybe you are already in conversation with your friend and you see it going in the direction of gossip hang up drinking if you know that You can't stand firm against not having a drink when you go out with your girls. Don't go. Don't go out after a certain time of night. I don't know what it is about nighttime, but it make you want to pull up. It make you want to take some shots or whatever. You know, you have to flee and you have to turn away and you have to know your limits. We try to think that we have all this strength, but we really don't. And that is okay. If you know that you don't have enough strength to be around your boo or whoever and not want to get touchy-feely, don't even go over there. Don't even open the door for the opportunity and for the possibility. That was a quick little tangent, but... Those are all the distractions that God gave me. I'm pretty sure there could be more, but I feel like all of these are kind of umbrella terms and there could be a distraction that you have or that you think of that can somehow fall up under um You know, one of these categories, and I encourage you to stay encouraged and to stay uplifted even when you do become distracted. It is never too late to turn away from your distraction, to let it go, to take control and take hold of that distraction and say, I'm not going to allow this to distract me and get me off track and the best way to keep from getting distracted is to stay close to God so make sure you are staying in prayer making sure that you are staying in your word so that nothing can distract you and I hope that this touched you I hope that this was a revelation to you if maybe you didn't even think that you were distracted now you know when you are getting distracted because I didn't know um that my desire for a relationship was considered a distraction ultimately it all goes back to prayer because even good things can be distractions and distractions can come in the form of good things to want relationship and I ultimately desire to have relationship with a man of God to want to have friends that I can hang out with and kick it with and possibly share my journey with Christ with those can be distractions getting ideas from other people it may be good they may be good ideas there probably is pure intention but if it's not what God wants it's not what God wants and it is a distraction that is the bottom line Line. and so the best way to figure out if it's distraction or not instead of trying to sit there and figure out you know is this person a good person and you know they seem like a good person that's a good idea you know is it what god wants should i do that? just pray i'm telling you because you're gonna spend a lot of time trying to figure it out you're gonna possibly walk down the wrong path and waste time and get thrown off and out of alignment trying to figure it out on your own. So the bottom line is just pray and ask God, do you want me to pursue a relationship with this man or woman? Do you want me to be friends with this person? Do you want me to take this idea? Is this person, is this idea from you? I didn't realize that my hurt and pain from past relationships was a distraction. I just thought it was how I felt. And I would just have to deal with it until it was over. But no, it is a distraction. And maybe you're in a place where you don't know what God is calling you to do. Ask him, pray and ask, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And you can also pray and ask God to reveal to you the distractions. What is distracting me? What is possibly a distraction? Even if it's not a huge distraction right now, whatever it is. Because most times, small things just grow into bigger things. So I want to pray to close out so lord thank you for bringing us here thank you lord for giving me the word to speak to your people thank you for using me as a vessel i pray that you know this resonates with someone and it touches their heart and their mind directly as they need it lord i pray that you reveal to your sons and daughters whatever their distractions may be whatever the mission is that you want for them to take um foot on and Lord, you are good. And I thank you for this opportunity to speak and be a vessel for you. And I love you in Jesus name. Amen. So I hope y'all have a good rest of your day, a good rest of your week. And I will talk to y'all in the next episode of The Safe Space.